Father, our prayer is that you would speak your word by the power of your spirit into our lives and change us today, that none of us would remain unchanged in this meeting or online, that we would hear from you, and because we have met with you, we'd be more like Jesus. So in his name we pray, amen. Well, there was this guy. He was the captain of a British warship during times when pirates plundered vessels on the high seas. And this captain was this man of great reputation, a man of unflinching courage, remarkable skill. And his first mate, who was newly appointed by the high command to work with him, was thrilled that he was going to get to serve with this renowned captain. So after being at sea for just a few weeks, the first mate had his first encounter with the dreaded pirates. So he runs to the captain and says, Captain, Captain, pirates are preparing to attack us starboard. But the captain calmly replied, Sound the bell, all hands on deck, man the battle stations, and bring me my red shirt. Well, the first mate, he complied with the captain's orders. And they fought off the pirates and they won this resounding victory. Well, a few weeks later, it happened again. The first mate, he races into the captain's quarters. Captain, captain, he cries nervously. Pirates are preparing to attack us port side. The captain calmly replied, sound the bell, all hands on deck, man the battle stations, and bring me my red shirt. Well, this went on a few times more during the few, next few weeks, and the captain's calm resolve and decisive orders were the same every time. Sound the bell. All hands on deck, man the battle stations, and bring me my red shirt. And victory was certain every time. Well, finally, after several days of calm, the first mate decided to go in and ask the captain a question. He said, sir, I have served on so many ships, but I've never seen anything like this. He says, I have one question particularly, and that is, what is it with the red shirt? Why do you always have to get the red shirt when we are facing battle? Well, the captain responds, well, that's very simple. In the event that I'm wounded, I don't want my crew to see me bleeding and then lose their courage to fight the battle. So I wear the red shirt to mask any indication that I've been struck by the enemy. First mate says, what a noble thing, captain. I'm honored to serve under your command. Well, a few weeks later, Things took a turn for the way worse. The first mate runs in breathlessly to the captain's quarters. Captain, captain, we're surrounded by an entire armada. Heavily, heavy ships everywhere, and they've lowered their cannons, and they're about to fire. So the captain responds again with unflinching decisiveness. He says, sound the bell, all hands on deck, man the battle stations, and bring me my brown pants. Now, if Tracy was here, she wouldn't let me tell that joke. <laughs> but she's at a retreat with 50 other women's spiritual retreat, and they, they actually streamed live the first service. They're not streaming live now, and so there's no telling what I'm going to say this sermon. So. <laughs> but actually, I really do uh, want to emphasize the importance for us to really move on with the Lord. It takes a tremendous amount of courage. For us to go to another level and walking with Jesus takes a great amount of faith and courage with each step we take, each level that we move to. 
In John 16, Jesus said this. He said, in this world, you have hardship. Notice that's not optional. All of us get it. In this world, you have hardship. But he goes on to say, but be courageous. I have overcome the world. And so it's really important that we understand that we need to have faith and courage in the everyday choices that we make in regards to following Jesus. So what I'd like to ask you to consider today is I want you to think about this. What kind of choices would you have made had you been alive during the days of Jesus when he walked the earth and you were living in Galilee, what kind of choices would you have made? I mean, how would you have responded to the miracles that you saw? I mean, how would you have responded to his teaching and his challenges if you were alive during that time? I mean, have you ever wondered if you would have been one of his followers had you lived then and lived there? You ever wondered how close of a follower you would have been had you been alive at that time? What I'd like us to do is I want us to consider the different levels of following Jesus that we're going to see in the Gospels. What we're going to see is we're actually going to see there are five different levels of following Jesus. What I want you to do is I want you to consider, had you lived back then, what level would you have been at? Now, here's where faith and courage is going to come in. Because then we're going to talk about, okay, now that we all know what level we really are in, how do we go to the next level? Because this can require faith and courage. What choices do we need to make to take it to the next level? So that's my challenge for you today, is discover what level you're at as we walk through this passage. And my challenge is, take it to the next level. We're going, to, we're going to talk about the choices you're going to need to make in order to take it to the next level. But every one of us today is going to see where we are and then see where we need to go and know how to get there. And so let's look at these five levels that we see in the Gospels. The first level of following Jesus is the level of the crowd. The level of the crowd. Let's look at a couple passages. Luke 5, verse 1 says, Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God. He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. So he is surrounded, Jesus, by a crowd. That's the first level of following him is the crowd level. Luke 6, 17 and 18 says, Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon who had, kept, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. So Jesus was oftentimes surrounded by a crowd. Now the crowd was drawn to Jesus for many different reasons. Some wanted to see him work a miracle. I mean, some needed healing or deliverance. Some wanted to hear his words, his remarkable teaching. Others were just curious. That's why they were in the crowd. Some were skeptical and some were even cynical in the crowd. Some were part of the crowd because some family member or friend drugged them to the crowd, said, you need to see this guy, listen to this guy. But there are all kinds of people. The crowd is a mixed bag. All kinds of different people there for different reasons. 
But generally speaking, people were in the crowd primarily for what they could get from Jesus, not what they could give. I mean, they wanted healing. That's why they were there. They wanted to be fed. That's why they were there. They wanted to be delivered. That's why they were there. And the thought was in the crowd, maybe Jesus can give me what I want. That's why I'm here in the crowd. So the crowd is a mixed bag of people that follow Jesus, but they all follow Jesus mostly for what they could get, not what they could give. So the crowd is the first level of followers of Jesus. But some then decide to step up to the second level. Some step out of the crowd to the next level of following Jesus, and that level is the 70. The 70, we see it in Luke chapter 10, verse 1. It says, Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. So now there are those who made the choice to step out of the crowd and serve Christ. That's the 70. That's the second level. They made the choice to not only follow Jesus for what they could get, but they were willing to serve Jesus. They were willing to give of their time and their energy and their resources. And so we have this level of people willing to step out of the crowd and to serve Christ. Now, there are many who still would not step out of the crowd. And they had their reasons. If you were to go ask them, how come you're not stepping out of the crowd to serve Jesus? They would have a reason for you. They would have an excuse for you. By the way, the same is true today. I mean, there's a lot of people in churches throughout this country right now sitting in a crowd mentality. And many of them are not willing to step out and serve Christ. And they have their reasons. If you were to ask them why, they have their reasons. Well, they had their reasons in the first century. What are they? Well, let's look at some of them. Luke chapter 9, verse 57 through 62. We're going to see three different people that are given a challenge by Christ to step out of the crowd and follow him. And they say they will, but they don't. And the reason they don't is they have their reasons. Let's see what they are. Luke 9, 57. As they're going along the road, someone said to him, said to Christ, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus basically saying, I don't even know where I'm sleeping tonight. I just want you to know ahead of time. All right, verse 59, second person. He said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, permit me first to go and bury my father. And he said to him, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. Third guy, verse 61. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. Jesus said to him, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, keep that phrase in mind, looking back, and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So, Many never are willing to leave the safety of the crowd, the comfort of the crowd, the convenience of the crowd, because a step out of the crowd and serve Christ is going to cost you something. 
It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you resources. So many don't want to pay that cost, so they stay in the crowd. And they have their reasons. If you go ask them, they have all kinds of great intentions. I'll follow you, but they have their reasons. The bottom line reason is there are other things more important to them than following Christ. That's why. There are other things that matter more to them than following Christ. That's why they don't step out of the crowd. Let's break down the three reasons that these three guys had. Each of them had a different one. They all apply today to us. The first guy, basically, what was keeping him from stepping out of the crowd was comfort. I mean, Jesus points out right up front, it's going to be uncomfortable to follow him, he says. And that's all this first guy needed to hear, is that it, and he wasn't interested anymore in following Christ. If it's going to be uncomfortable and inconvenient, then he's not doing it. And I tell you what, there's people all over churches, in, in this country particularly, that as soon as they realize it's going to be uncomfortable to step out and serve or inconvenient, they don't do it. Now, they got all these great intentions, but they don't do it. They're staying in the crowd. All right, there's a second, second guy who gives a second reason why he doesn't step out of the crowd to follow Christ. And his reason is, I have obligations. The second guy said, I'll, he, he followed Jesus. If it weren't for his other obligations, he needs to take care of his aging father and then bury him and then get his inheritance and then he'll be ready to consider following Jesus. In other words, there are some things he needs to do first. And by the way, there are people in churches that give that reason all the time. I just have, I can't now, not now. I can't serve now. I got all these other obligations. And as soon as that obligation is met, they got another one. But that wasn't the case with the 70. The 70, they, they're living in the same world as all of us. They got obligations, but somehow they prioritized stepping out of the crowd to serve Christ over their obligations. So let me just ask you, what, would you, what kind of choice would you have made had you lived back then? Would comfort and, you know, I mean, discomfort, inconvenience keep you from stepping out if you lived back then? Would your obligations have kept you from stepping out of the crowd back then? Well, there's a third guy. The third guy's reason for not stepping out of the crowd is relationships. third guy was having difficulty putting other relationships secondary to his relationship with Jesus. So he was having second thoughts about leaving those relationships to follow Christ. But that wasn't the case with the 70. They made the choice to prioritize their relationship of Jesus over all their other relationships. And they stepped out to serve. So again, what kind of choice do you think you would have made had you lived back then? Would you have stepped out of the crowd and be part of level four, the 70, and served Christ when he gave you an assignment, you will do it. When there's an opportunity to serve him, you'll serve him. Or would you have stayed in the safety and comfort and convenience of the crowd? Well, Jesus understood that, you know, that hesitation Jesus calls, that hesitation to step out of the crowd, Jesus calls it looking back. Now, remember in Luke 17, what Jesus said in verse 32, he says, remember Lot's wife. Well, what do you mean, remember Lot's wife? What happened with Lot's wife? Well, you got, do you guys remember Lot's wife? What happened here? Remember what happened is Lot and his family were living in Sodom. God had decided he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the great wickedness of those cities. 
he sends angels to get Lot and his family out of Sodom before he destroys it. Now, the angels weren't able to convince the entire family to get out. But as they're getting out, basically Lot, his wife, and two daughters, as they're getting out, the angels tells them, do not look back. Genesis 19, 17, let's read it. And it came about when they had brought them outside, when the angels brought Lot, his wife, and two daughters outside, then one said, one angel said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you. And do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains, lest you be swept away. Verse 26, Genesis 19. But his wife, Lot's wife, from behind him, she's already lingering behind him. She looked back. She became a pillar of salt. I mean, Lot's wife's heart was still in Sodom. That's the problem, really. The relationships of Sodom, the possessions of Sodom were so dear to her, apparently, she, she's still lingering. She's still hesitating. I mean, think about this. She came as close to deliverance as possible without getting it. And she looks back. She lingers, evidently longing for the delights of what, she, what she's leaving behind. And in the process of her looking back and lingering, she gets caught up in the very destruction that she was being delivered from. She perishes with the city. So trying to have both Sodom and deliverance from Sodom, she got neither. In 1979, I was a missionary in the Palau Islands, and there was lots of islands that it was just wonderful, beautiful places. But one of the furthest islands is the last, last island that still had monkeys on it, and the Palauans would catch the monkeys. And I asked them, how do you do it? What, tell, tell me your strategy. So they gave me a detailed strategy of how you catch a monkey. And what they would do is they'd take a coconut and they bore just a small hole in the coconut. And then they bore out the coconut from the inside to where there's just a little hole with an empty coconut. Then they attach the coconut to a tree. Then they put peanuts in the coconut. And then they just sit back and wait. And a monkey smells the peanuts. He comes and and he reaches his hand, if he stretches his hand just right, he can get his hand into the coconut hole. And then he grabs the peanuts. When he does, he makes a fist. And then they come to him. And he's panicking, but he will not let go of the peanuts. He won't let go. And they just walk up to him and they capture the monkey. It's that easy. So the monkey who wants both the peanuts and his freedom gets neither. See, Lot's wife wanted both Sodom and deliverance from Sodom, and she got neither one. You know, the monkey wanted freedom and peanuts. He can't have both. He must leave the peanuts to get his freedom. Lot's wife looked back because her heart was still in Sodom. And you can't have both Sodom and deliverance from Sodom. And by the way, so many in the crowd are trying to hold on to their life. You know, they, they want, you know, they want what Jesus has to offer, but they want their life. They want to stay captain of their ship. They're holding on. They can't let go. The stepping out of the crowd is a, is a letting go of control and following the master. So they stay in the crowd. And by the way, staying in the crowd is a choice. Stepping out of the crowd is a choice. 
And Jesus basically is saying, don't look back. Don't hesitate. That's why he says this. That's why he says this next verse, Luke 17, 33. After remembering Lot's wife, he says, whoever seeks to keep his life shall lose it. And whoever loses his life shall preserve it. So again, let me ask you, what choice would you have made? Would you have made the choice to step out of the crowd and follow Christ and do his bidding? Would you have done it had you been alive then? Would you have made that choice? Or would you stay in the crowd? All right. Level three. The third level is the level of the twelve. Mark chapter 3, verse 14 and 15, and he appointed 12 so that they would be with him, with Christ, and that he could send them out to preach and have authority to cast out the demons. So he appointed 12 that, notice this, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. So now the 12 are different than the 70 in this. The 12 are different in that they have now a 24-7 relationship with Jesus. They are 24-7 with him in relationship and 24-7 willing to do his bidding. So they, don't, they aren't just occasionally stepping out for an assignment, clocking in and clocking out again. They have clocked in full time. Relationship with Christ and do what he says when he says to do it now. That's level three. They've made a full-time commitment to their relationship with Jesus, a full-time commitment to the mission of Jesus. So whatever, so they're willing to have that kind of commitment at the tw level of the 12. So let me ask you that. Would you have made that kind of choice? Had you been alive back then, would you have made the choice to say, I'm ready for a 24-7 relationship with Christ. I want to be with him all the time. I want to do whatever he says whenever he says it. I don't just want to be like the 70 who I can kind of clock in and clock out, serve him at certain occasional times of assignments. I want to be with him. I want to serve him all the time. That's level three. All right, so we have the crowd. We've got the 70. We have the 12. Next level, level four, is the three. Out of the 12, there are three that were at another level with Jesus. Walk closer with Jesus. Now, how do we know that? We know that for, for a number of reasons. Let's look at some of them. We know that these three, Peter, James, and John, they got to see things and do things and hear things the other 12 didn't get to see, hear, and do. For example, they got to see miracles the rest of the 12 did not get to see. Let's look at Luke 8, 51. It says, when he came to the house, when Jesus came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. And so when Jesus, when he's about to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, all 12 don't go in. Peter, James, and John, you get to come see what's about to happen. They're the only ones that got to see it. The rest of the 12 didn't get to see this. Okay, but also... At the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus is transfigured in glory, he meets with Moses and Elijah at that moment that's captured in Matthew 17. Who got to see it? All 12? No, just Peter, James, and John got to see it. Let's go ahead and read about it. Matthew 17, verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, 
and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with them. So now this amazing moment, this awesome revelation, who gets to see it? Only Peter, James, and John, because they were at a closer level. So that's part of being at another level with Jesus is you get to see things other disciples don't get to see. But also it's Peter, James, and John that Jesus takes a little closer in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's praying right before he's arrested and eventually is crucified. Mark 26, verse 36 to 41. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took with him, now he's going to go further, took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and began to be grieved and distressed. So now he's got just the three of them and him, and he's grieved and distressed. And he said to them, Listen to this. My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Now he's asking these closest friends here. Takes a little closer and he's sharing the burden of his heart. The burden of this moment he's wrestling with in prayer. He's about to take the sin, guilt, and shame of all humanity of all time upon himself. Absorb the judgment due all people. And he's wrestling with this, and he, took, and, he, and, he, and he shares this burden with Peter, James, and John. Now, they didn't do very good with the burden. But the point is, it was, they were in this condition, I mean, this relationship with Jesus, where it wasn't just they trusted Jesus. Jesus was trusting them, trusting them with this burden. So what is the difference between these three and the rest of the twelve? Well, I think the difference is, is these three were his closest friends. They weren't just his disciples. They're his friends. Apparently, they spent the time developing a closer friendship with Jesus than others did. And the things that mattered to the Lord mattered to them. And because of their closer friendship, Jesus is trusting them with his deepest burdens. Think about this. Have you been, had you been alive at that time, would you have made the choice to be that close to Jesus? Were you not just trusting him, but you have such a relationship with him, he trusts you with the burdens that are on his heart? I mean, just think about, would you, you know, to have that kind of close relationship where you're getting to see things other disciples aren't getting to see? You're getting to hear things other disciples aren't getting to hear? Because you're not just his disciple anymore, you're his friend. So again, when you've made that kind of choice, I want to be a close friend of Jesus. Well, out of the three, there was one that was even closer than the other two. And that one is John. John is in the Bible called the disciple whom Jesus loved. It was John who sat at the right hand of Jesus at the Last Supper it was John who laid his head against the breast of Jesus at that Passover feast. And when Jesus was arrested and all the disciples fled and Peter even follows at a distance and denies Christ, John stayed closer than the rest of them during that time. Now, there's two ways we know this. 
One is, we're not certain about, but it appears to be in this case that in John 18, let's read John 18, 15 through 17. It says, and Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. John typically referred to himself when writing about himself like this in his gospel. Simon Peter was following Jesus, and so was another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the doorkeeper and brought in Peter. The slave girl, therefore, who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? And he said, I am not. So Peter denies Christ. Now, again, it's not certain that this is referring to John in the passage here, but we have another case that shows the fact that John was willing to stay tight with Jesus at the cost of the risk of his life when the others weren't. And that is at the cross of Christ. When Jesus is being crucified and his mother is down before the cross, it is John that's with his mother, Mary. John 19, 26 and 27 says this, when Jesus then saw his mother, now remember, Jesus is hanging on the cross here. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, clearly John, behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. So there when it was very high risk of being arrested in the midst of all this, and the rest of them ran for cover, John is standing at the cross, risking it. It's interesting that John is trusted with the greatest revelation in the New Testament. No one wrote more scripture in the New Testament than the Apostle John. John writes the Gospel of John. He writes 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, and the book of Revelation. See, with nearness to Jesus comes greater revelation. Every level you get closer to Jesus is more revelation. Now, what were the choices that really caused John to come so close to Jesus? Well, the first choice is obviously he made the choice of intimacy and nearness to Christ. He made the choice. The second choice is I think he made the choice of laying down his life. Remember Jesus said, there's no greater love than this than to lay down your life for your friend. There's no greater love. He communicated the greatest love to Jesus. Now the other disciples will get there, but John's first. When the other disciples made the declaration, no matter what Jesus, even with the die for you, will never depart from you, will never leave you, will never scatter. Sure enough, they scattered. Except for John. John was, was closest to Jesus because he chose to be the closest. That's my whole point, is, is that there are choices that we are making all the time. What will you choose? You are not as close to Jesus as you wish to be or want to be. It's only as close as you choose to be. Would you choose to go to this level? Would you choose to say, my number one priority of my life is to be the closest friend possible to Jesus Christ? And if that costs me my life, let it happen. Now that's, so the question is, if you lived back in the first century, what level would you have been at, in all honesty, just between you and God? 
Some of you today, in all honesty, would have to say, well, I would have been in the crowd, and today you're in the crowd. You're at the crowd level. I think most churches in America are full of people at the crowd level. Remember, the crowd's a mixed bag. Now, some of you might be here today because you're curious. You might be here because you're coming out of obligation to be here. You're coming to have some, maybe a need met. Maybe you're hoping for a miracle. Maybe you got here because a friend dragged you. Maybe you're here and you're, you're skeptical, cynical. Remember, the crowd's a mixed bag. But the main thing about being in the crowd is you do not step out to follow Jesus and obey him. You don't step out to serve him. You don't step out. You stay in the crowd, and you have your reasons why. So every time there's an opportunity to serve in this ministry, this ministry, this ministry, he said, I'd love to, but I can't. And I have my reasons. That is the mentality of the crowd. They always have their reasons. Now, some of you might be today at the level of the 70. You have stepped out of the crowd. You said, okay, Lord, I will, I will serve you. I'll serve you. And you've stepped into the level of the 70. You stop making excuses for why you can't serve Christ. And so when you see an opportunity, you, you serve. But you still kind of, in all honesty, you kind of clock in and clock out. You're not 24-7. You're not the next level of the 12. You're, you're kind of like, I love the Lord. I come to church. And occasionally I serve. I clock in. I clock out. So you, you'd, say, I, you know, you'd say, I'm in the 70. Uh, I'm willing to give, not just get. I'm willing to give my time, energy, and resources. But from time to time. That's a level of the 70. Some of you are there. Some of you might be at the level of the 12 today. I mean, you've decided, I, I want to be 24-7 with Jesus. I want to walk with him every day. I want to get up in the morning and pray, and I want to take him with me to school, to work, whatever I do. I want to talk with him, listen to him. I want a relationship with Jesus, and I want to be available to do his bidding anytime he asks me to. Wherever I'm at, he puts on my heart to share the gospel with that guy across the room. I'm going to go over and talk to him. That's the level of 12. Some of you might be there today. You've already said, you know, I'm 24-7, I'm you know, knowing him, being with him, and doing his bidding. That's the level of the 12. Now, some of you today might be at the level of the three. You kind of, you developed a special friendship with Jesus. You're not just his disciple, you're his friend. And he is letting you see things the other disciples aren't getting to see. He's given more revelation to you than he's given to the other disciples, the other people in church. He's even sharing burdens with you. Some of you, he's waking up in the night and there's a burden to pray about and you're getting out of bed and praying for it. You had that kind of friendship. That's level three. I mean, that's the three. That's, that's, that's level four. That's a, love, that's a level of, of you're not just his, you know, his disciple. You're not even just his 24-7 disciple, you're his friend. And it's not that you trust him, he also trusts you. And you, he's giving you burdens. And a lot of people think you're crazy because you're talking about what the Lord put on your heart and they're, they're rolling their eyes. But you know it's him. It's a level of the three. It's, that's the three, that's level four. And then finally, some of you might be at this level. The level of the one where you develop such an intimate relationship with Jesus, you're getting more revelation than others are getting. And you're willing to lay down your life, and it just it doesn't even matter to you. You know, the idea of, of risking your life doesn't even matter anymore. I mean, you're just so in 
But Jesus is like, whatever the risk is, you'll take it. Well, some of you, you know, so I want you to think about what level are you at? In all honesty, again, this is between you and God. I want to invite the worship team to come on up. Because what we're going to do is here as we start getting close to wrapping up, you know, this with a ministry time, I want to ask you to do this. I want to challenge you to whatever level you are in today. I want to challenge you to take it to the next level. That's going to, make, that's going to take courage and faith to do it. And it's going to cost you. But the rewards far outweigh whatever cost. So if those of you in the crowd, my challenge for you today is step out of the crowd. Go ahead and stop making excuses, comfort, obligations, relationships, all those excuses that are made and say, you know what? I'm going to serve. You know, there's opportunities to serve. I'm serving. I'm not just going to be someone who sits in church and thinks about what am I getting? What am I getting? What am I getting? I want to give. I want to give of my time. I want to give my energy. I want to give my resources. I'm going to start stepping out of the crowd. If you've, been, if you've never done that, I challenge you today to do that. In just a moment during our ministry time, just to slip out of your seat and come up here and say, Lord, I ask for the faith and grace to step out of the crowd. I really want to come to the next level of serving you. When you call me to serve, I serve. Now, those of you that are in the 70 right now, I want to challenge you to step out of that group and to say, I'm, I'm, Lord, I don't want to just clock in and clock out anymore. I want to be 24-7 with you, G. I want to walk with you, talk with you every day, all day. And I want to be available to do your bidding by the power of your spirit, however you lead me. So if you're in the 70, I want to challenge you to take it 24-7. No more clocking in and clocking out. Say, Lord, I'm full-time you. I want to be with you. I want to do your will. Now, those of you that are in the category of the 12, you're a 24-7 disciple already, I want to challenge you to take it to the level of the three and go beyond being just a disciple of 24-7. Be his friend. Make the number one pursuit of your life to know Christ, to know him. Draw close to him. And if he wakes you up in the middle of the night because you're that close and lays a burden on your heart to pray for, that you'll, you're not going to be, you're going to say, I, I got this, Lord. I got it. I'm praying. I'm praying. Level three. I mean, the level of the three. And finally, the last level, level the one. Say, okay, Lord, I want to be someone who says, I'm sold out, and if it costs me my life, let it be. I want to be so close to you and do whatever you say. It, it doesn't matter what the risk is anymore. I'm in. I'm all in. So what level are you? I'm challenging you to go to the next level. Let's stand for prayer. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing this song. And during this song, we don't want to rush this, but during this song, I'm just going to ask those of you who are saying, Lord, I, just, I want to make the next step. I'm asking you for the grace and the faith to make the next step. And during the song, just come on up to the front. The song is I Surrender because each level takes the level of surrender. That I surrender, and, just, we're gonna, and then I'm going to come pray for you, but say whatever level you're at, you're saying, I want to go to the next level. Then during the song, just come on up front and say, Lord, here I am. I'm asking for the grace and faith to take it to the next level today. So, Father, we pray that by the power of the Spirit of God right now, you'd work in each of our hearts. And, Lord, I pray for a miraculous working by your Spirit to take all of us further than we've ever been before. Take us further, Lord. I pray right now that you, would, that you would do this work in us. So would you release the grace and faith 
As people come forward, Lord, take us to the next level. We pray in Jesus' name. So as we're singing, just feel free to come and just ask him that, ask him for that.
Father, we ask for that ministry of your spirit right now. Father, just as Jesus prayed to you, that the love that you have for him would be in us, we're asking for that. Would you give us greater love and passion for the Son of God, Father? Lord, we want to know him. We want to know him more. Jesus, we want to know you. We want to walk with you closer. So would you just pour out the grace now and the faith for us to do that? I pray every one of us will come to another level, Lord, of nearness to you and walking in greater revelation and in greater power and in greater love. We pray for that. Lord, I pray this week we just find ourselves just in love with you, Jesus. We find ourselves all week just thinking, I just, I just got to hear from you. I got to talk to you. Lord, draw us closer. Lord, we pray for the church in America, Lord, would you just cause much of the church to break out of the crowd and to break out of the 70. Lord, we pray for that. We pray for the church in the world. Lord, we pray for a church that is intimate and passionate for the Son of God that longs for nearness with you above all things so that end-time church would, when it comes to a place where it says, and the Spirit and the bride say, come. Above everything else, come. We have to have you. Lord, would you speed up the maturity of the church for that day to come? And we behold your face. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions for our staff, we have Connection Coffee in this corner. If this is your first Sunday, I'd love to meet you over here in this corner, the Welcome Center. And we'll have some leader couples up here that will pray for you if you have other prayer requests. God bless you guys. Have a great day, a great week.